This is a really interesting reading to get at this time of the year. Repent. Have you seen those cartoons where a guy's walking down the street, you know, with a billboard on saying, Repent, the end is nigh? We kind of think of repent as stop doing something. Whatever's wrong, stop. I can still remember some many years ago now when my children were small, they were in a room somewhere with the door closed and they were making a racket. And I heard myself yell through the door, whatever it is you're doing, stop it. I had a laugh afterwards because I thought it was the stupidest thing. I I didn't want to become that kind of parent, but it's pretty easy to become one if you're not careful. Um, Whatever it is you're doing, stop it. That's kind of a version we get of repent. If you're enjoying it, it's probably wrong. And you shouldn't be doing it. It's kind of... It's not the view, it's not the meaning of the word at all. Repent is simply a a word, an old English word that comes from the Greek and it means to turn around and change your mind, to rethink things through, just to take a completely different view of things, take a radically new direction. That's really what it means. It's the kind of thing that people do when they run away and join the circus. Everything changes for them. Or when a friend of mine in his late 70s um, was, uh, decided that uh, the particular skills he had, he could go to Tibet and work with a particular poor community that he'd heard about by chance. And he changed his whole life to the amazement of his family and friends. Most of them thought he was nuts. But he went. And he stayed there for a decade and did enormously good work and felt like he was participating in a way that he'd not done in his life before that. And he'd done many wonderful things like most people. He'd worked in lots of different areas, helped lots of different people. But this was just a complete change. So you've got to change your mind, according to John the Baptist. You've got to rethink your whole life. Why? Well, according to John, who looked like a prophet, which doesn't mean anything to us, but in in these days, if somebody dressed in camel skin, a camel hair and a belt, that was an indication that they were like the prophets of old. There hadn't been many prophets in in the land for a long, long time, a couple of hundred years at least. But they were the kind of, they were the kind of moral compass of the culture. They were the people who hundreds of years before called the king to account. They were the ones that said, uh-uh, we cannot live with the rich there and the poor there. We've got to live as one people. There's got to be equality. There's got to be peace. There's got to be justice. And they did that over and over again. And so when John turns up dressed in the same way, they kind of paid attention. He said, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Which, you know, kingdom is the way everyone lived in, in those days. They had a king and you hoped it was a good one. And if it was a bad one, you hoped that he would die soon. And that there wouldn't be a massive transition before the next king, who you hope would be a good one. That's all you could do. We are are a little bit more fortunate. We can vote out our bad kings and hopefully vote in a less bad one. And And they have to pay attention to us at least once in three or four years. And heaven is just another word for God. So what Paul, uh, what 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 um, John is saying is that that at this moment you need to turn around because something cataclysmic is happening. 
The world is reforming itself the way it ought to be. It's becoming a world of justice and peace. It's the way it was always supposed to be. The way we know that we can read a 3,000 year old poem like the one we just read and get, yes, we get that. We understand that. We know that, that we, we don't have a king, we have a prime minister, we, do, we have a different system of government, but we know what it's like for people to be treated badly, for there not to be justice, and we know what it's like for there not to be peace. We know what it's like to have a world that we long for, where the sick are healed, where the poor are fed, and all are welcomed, which is the story we're about to hear in the rest of the Gospels. That's the life that Jesus lives. So what does this change of thinking actually look like? Well, according to John, we get a few clues. Because, see, we live in a culture where in order to to make things better, we have to add stuff. One of our big things for doing that is education. If only we could educate people better and more deeply and in the right areas, we would change the kind of culture we live in. And it's true, we have. Education is one of our great moral goods that we think is important. So you would never hear a politician get up and say, look, education is a complete waste of time. We're going to defund all the universities. Well, actually, they have defunded a lot of universities and TAFE. Yeah, but they didn't do it on purpose, did they? It was I don't know why they did it. But anyway, they're never going to get up and say, we're against education. We should close down the schools. They cost us a fortune. Well, of course they do. And what do we get for them? We get an educated community. Education is a good thing. But we also are told that we should add other things. At the moment, if you're watching television, you're being bombarded with advertisements of telling you things you must get in order to make Christmas a worthwhile and meaningful experience. And they're not just stuff. It's also experiences. Because there's lots of happy families sitting around big meals and that's the thing that you, that you need to get all these things in order to make life worthwhile. And of course, we're, we question that at Christmas time, don't we? We're already, if you're like any normal person, you look at it and go, you know, I've sworn out already. I've got all these people I haven't bought a Christmas present for. What the hell should I buy for? You know, what do they need? She doesn't need anything. I don't know what to get her. I don't even know what she likes. What's her favorite color? I don't know. You know, we're, we're all doing this. and we, But we know underneath that Adding these things to this person's life is not necessarily going to add much joy. The fact that you remembered them and loved them and, and felt and thought about them, of course, will, but the rest of it, we kind of already know. Maybe there's another way of thinking, a re- rethinking, that, that involves not adding things to life to make it better. But maybe it's about stripping things away. Maybe it's about letting things go. And of course this fits with all the great religious and spiritual traditions of the world. And I reckon we get some clues in John's Gospel. First of all, he comes out of the wilderness. And if we know anything about wilderness in Australia, if you, get to, if you have the, the pleasure and the privilege of being able to go out into the desert, into the outback, you know that life becomes quickly more elemental. It's just you and the stuff that's out there. And you can go as uh, three people, one of whom unfortunately died, just south of Alice Springs, um, just off the road, off the main Stuart Highway from Stuart Wells, uh, Stuart Wells um, uh, Roadhouse. 
vault. Two people walked out and were found and one person died. This is just last week, isn't it? And if you know that area, um, it's, they were so close to the highway. But the, the wilderness is elemental. It's kind of a different kind of experience. And when you go out there, you feel different about the world and you recognise your own smallness in the massive nature of the universe. You kind of strip things back and see them for what they are. So he comes from out of the wilderness. So that's a clue to us. He wears the uniform of a prophet, which doesn't make sense to us, but it makes sense to his first hearers. And a prophet is somebody who sort of steps back from the world and sees it for what it is. A prophet isn't somebody who tells you what's going to happen in the future. A prophet is someone who calls you to the things you say are true now. So we've got lots of prophets in our country. Uh, at the moment, the campaign around raising new stuff is being raised up by prophets who are saying, we say we're a country of the fair go and of egalitarianism, but what we're doing doesn't, doesn't match with that. We've got to match what we do with what we say. That's the work of a prophet. You step back a bit and you see things differently. It's a kind of stripping away. You know, it's the kind of just shutting everything down, which is at this time of the year, it's really hard to do. Stepping back and thinking again about it. Most Christians have a real problem with dealing with Christmas because we're inundated with so much stuff, we aren't able to kind of rethink the story and what it means to us that God comes into the world as a tiny baby. It's an extraordinary, bizarre story. But we hear it over and over again every year that we can just let it go and we sing the Christmas carols and it's all lovely, which it is. But because we can't step back sometimes, we miss what it might mean for us. What it might mean for us. So he wears the uniform for probably it's a stripping away. And then, do you notice what he eats? Why are we, who cares what he eats? You know, I live with a vegetarian and she is constantly telling me we're not supposed to eat this and not supposed to eat that. And, uh, but who cares? Why do we know that he eats locusts and honey? Well, the reason is, is because those things are not produced by human beings. They just appear in the world. They're gifts. You can't make honey for love nor money. Can you? You can go and get some, but you can't make it. You can't make locusts. They just turn up and you can eat them. And I don't know if you've ever had them fried. They're amazing. Well, anything fried's amazing, to be honest. But they're really good. You can't make them. They're a gift. It's a stripping away and just receiving the world as a gift. And then John goes on and says, look, even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. It's a kind of an image of an orchard that needs to be cleared out. You know, we often talk about not being able to see the wood for the trees because we've got so much stuff in our heads and in our lives and in our houses. And it's a clearing away so you can figure out what's true and what's real. A dear friend of mine is, is in Queensland is uh, near the end of his life. He, he's had a diagnosis and he's probably got, he might last till Christmas, but he might not. And he's suddenly rethinking all the things that are important. And it turns out that the important things are not the things he's been doing the last 10 years. And he's trying to reconnect with people in his life where the relationship has fallen away. And if he survives till Christmas and he's able to make some connection with some of those people, it will be so meaningful to him. If he's not... 
I don't know. But he's clearing it away because, the, the, as John puts it in this kind of great image, it's an orchard, it's the axis at the root of the tree. We've got to get rid of all the rubbish, toss it in the fire. And then you can start literally see the wood for the trees. And he's sorting out the wheat from the chaff. What's really important, what's really of value in life and what's not. And what a time to do it. That's as good as Christmas. When we're being inundated with all kinds of other things we could be doing. And there's just one last thing that I reckon is worth adding to this that John says. That helps us with this idea that, that repenting is not doing something. It's letting things go. It's getting clarity. It's seeing things in a new way. And he says, don't tell me that you're children of Abraham. Don't tell me that you're middle class. Don't tell me that you're white. Don't tell me that you're Australian. Don't, none of those things matter. None of the things that you've built. Well, I, you know, I've, got a, I've got an education, you understand. You know, or I understand, I know. None of those things matter. What matters is that you're alive as a human being. God, so this is this image. God can make human beings out of stones. It, it's, it's not about your value from what you've done and what you've said, all the things that you've added, good though they might be. What's of value is the stripping away the just who you are. We're going to baptise Oliver in a minute. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't invented anything. He hasn't made any money. Not yet. Probably will, won't he? He's pretty smart. But he hasn't. Why we're going to celebrate his baptism is because he's one of us. He's a human being. He's alive in the world. And because he's got parents who love him and friends around him and family, he's going to flourish as a human being. But his value in the world is that he is alive and, and human. And that's what John is saying. If you strip it all away, that's the important thing. That's repentance. When we start to see each other and ourselves as valuable, true, true human beings. And sometimes it's easier to see it in other people. People that we love or people that we respect. And harder to see it in ourselves. Sometimes I'm talking with people and I, and I often hear them say things about themselves and I can think, you know, if you were to say what you've just said about yourself, about somebody else, it would be shocking and horrible and painful and hurtful. You might even get arrested for the sorts of things that you've just said about yourself over and, and they're the things you've said out loud, the things people talk about themselves in their own head, how we failed how we've not done the right thing, how we've said we would do something and not done it, how we've missed out on this relationship and done that and not done that. What if repentance is seeing ourselves and each other just as human, the kind of humans that God loves and invites in to a world of justice and peace? Locusts and honey. It's all been just a gift anyway. It's just a gift. It's just a gift.